My sisters and brothers, the Lord be with you. The reading from the Holy Gospel that was written to us by Matthew. And Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Offer no resistance to the one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic and over your cloak as well, should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on the one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes the sun rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. morning. Thankfully, we are a society that thrives on laws. As a father of four grown boys, I know how necessary laws are in rearing children and teaching them the difference between right and wrong. Early on in life, we learn that laws provide order and safety and comfort. So for just about all of us, laws feel real good. They define for us boundaries and the rules of membership to society, who in turn enforces the laws. But as important as laws are, we also know people who get stuck living their lives rooted only in the law. Laws provide them constant comfort in having every bit of their lives defined and confirmed for them. Some take it so far as that they impose their sense of judgment on others and what they feel is right and wrong. It becomes a position of power and control which feeds their ego. Well, the first century Jews were no different in their love for law. Simply pick up the the Bible and read the book of Leviticus, which our first reading is taken from. It's filled with laws and regulations developed over centuries, primarily dealing with purity codes. This third book of the Old Testament records for us what was being demanded of the tribe of Levi in order to conduct appropriate behavior for the worship of God. Rabbis made their livelihood interpreting all these laws for their followers. These customs, rights, and laws which were being observed in the time of Christ. Which brings us to today's Gospel from Matthew. Putting in perspective, beginning about three weeks ago, the Sunday Gospels have had us listening to the Sermon on the Mount. We're told that Jesus gathered all his disciples and followers and teaches them 
beginning with the Beatitudes, what discipleship truly means. It's no accident that this sermon takes place right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, for his laying down for his disciples and for all of us the tone and direction and the foundation of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Remember, his early disciples are Jewish. And up to this time, their lives have been devoted to following all the laws found in the Torah as interpreted to them by the rabbis. Yesterday, my wife Teresa and I were up in Connecticut to listen to the broadcaster, journalist, and author Krista Tibbet, who's the weekly host of her own public radio program, On Being. In her book, Speaking of Faith, this is what she writes. The spiritual energy of our time is not a rejection of the rational disciplines such as politics and law. Rather, it is a realization that these disciplines have a limited scope. They can't ask ultimate questions. They don't begin to tell us what matters in life, what matters in death, how to love, and how we can be of service to one another. These are the kinds of questions religion arose to address. See, that's why we heard in last week's gospel, telling the disciples, he's not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. See, in essence, what he's saying is, listen, what I'm going to tell you is going to shake you up a little bit. It's going to require you to think much differently. So don't get me wrong. I'm not doing away with the laws that you follow, for law is important. But I'm going to show you what it means to live the law, to fulfill what's being dictated by the law. And so between last week and today, we hear Christ give a total of six examples of what it means to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, to be in right relationship with God and with each other. So each of the six are structured where Christ begins each statement with the phrase, you have heard the law says this, but now I tell you something more. And perhaps the most central of all six is the last one where Christ tells us, you have heard the law say to love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your heavenly father. In other words, so that you and I may be in right relationship with God. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Really? It does seem a bit over the top. But this is how Christ answers that question that goes through our minds. When he says, because God makes the sun rise on the good and the bad. And causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He's saying that God loves unconditionally. God loves all that God has made and will make. And it's not our place to use laws to feed our egos, to impose our sense of justice on how we judge others. For on the Sermon on the Mount teaches us that it's love, not law, that leads to personal and spiritual transformation. Remember the story of the young rich man? comes to Jesus and says, what do I have to do to earn eternal life? After all, I've followed all the commandments and I've given to the poor. And we're told first how much Christ loved the man. 
And so then told him, just go sell all that you have and follow me. And we're told the man walked away, not mad, but sad. Sad because he had anchored his, his entire spiritual life focused on the law. Sad because he was unable to let go of what he thought was necessary to earn salvation. Sad because he was unable to believe that each time we fail, each time we stray, each time we sin, God forgives us and shows us mercy. Every time, every person, no exceptions. For all God can love is who you really are, because that's the only you that really exists. All the rest is just in our heads. But wait, didn't we just hear the gospel say that we're called to be perfect just as the Heavenly Father is perfect? And when we hear that, it's so easy for us to say, see, all I have to do is be perfect, follow all the laws, and then we're in control. And we can determine what's black and white, good and evil, right and wrong, and we can feel real good about it. But this perfection we're called to is not the elimination of imperfection. Rather, it's the ability to accept imperfection in ourselves and others with love and compassion and mercy. We're called to live a life where we mirror the same merciful perfection and love shown to us by our God. Seeing with those eyes, it should be little wonder or shock why Pope Francis said, who am I to judge? You see, the Beatitudes in the entire Sermon on the Mount is different than the laws of Leviticus. We need to get our heads out of the sense of membership and what is owed to me if I follow the laws and rather get into discipleship and right relationship with God and with others. In essence, to see God as the one who gives life versus who gives law. Of one who gives love versus makes us earn his love. One who gives compassion versus one who punitively judges. A God who encourages to change and to grow and to love God more than our ego. We are a pilgrim people, called to journey away from feeding our sense of self-righteousness and trying to earn God's love. For Christ invites you and me on a different path, one that is filled with unconditional love, mercy, forgiveness, inclusion, and focus on others. We're not perfect. We will stumble and fall. But we take comfort in a good and gracious God that will always pick us up, always hold us close, and will love us unconditionally. Two paths, two different journeys. Which one will you choose?